Amen. Thanks, Pastor Stevie. Hey, is, An- is Anthony right in the house? Is he Anthony in here? Is he in here or no? Is he in the other room? Oh, I was going to embarrass him. He turned 13 today. You should just go drag him in here. I heard he was hiding. But, uh, oh, whoa, where are you going, baby? <laughs> it's also our 29th wedding anniversary today. So, so come on up here, baby. Anybody see you? So I, uh, I called the florist, and they deliver very fast. So Pastor Stevie has something special for you. Actually, I have something special for you. Pastor Stevie's getting it. So there's a card. And uh, yeah. So anyway, 29 years ago, I married my best friend. And now she's my best friend. Thanks, Pastor Stevie. You're awesome. So those are for you. Um, anyways, you just need to know you have an amazing pastor's wife. That she, we wouldn't be here without her. We wouldn't have the colors in this room that I have to change every 10 years without her. Um, and so anyways, I just wanted to just tell you that I love her with all my heart. And 29 years is is a long time, except for some of y'all who've been like 50, and you're like, yeah, ain't nothing. Uh, but uh, anyways, I just want to say I love you, baby, and thanks for thanks for the ride that we're on, and we're about into a, this great building project that she worked yesterday with the builder to design some stuff. So it's going to look awesome, mostly because of her. Amen. All right. Love you. Love you lots. I love you lots, and you're still hot. That's what I think about her. So it's fun to be married to your best friend. It really is. And, and it takes effort. Okay. It takes effort. But she is an amazing person. I had somebody for church tell me, it's like, Jake, you really have motocross bikes in your house? I'm like, yeah. In the, in the kitchen area and in the living room. They're not going to be there forever, just so you know. Um, but uh, if you've seen any of my posts, you can see we put bikes in. She doesn't, she doesn't care. She's like, yeah, whatever. Um, but uh, they don't leak. Somebody says, well, are they leak? No, they don't leak. Uh, but what an amazing woman that she is. And uh, I'm, I'm happy that, that our marriage isn't perfect, okay? Because if it was perfect, then something that's perfect is never achievable. And one thing we love to do in our life group is talk about the fights that we get in. Like, you no, know, we get into it. We have different personalities. Um, you know, she married somebody who thinks he's right all the time. Yeah. And there's like a 99% truth to that um, that uh, because I said I, 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 my sarcasm is she's like you just think you're always right and I'm like well would you want me to be always wrong because you wouldn't want to marry somebody who's always wrong right but the fact is is, is you have a, a relationship of two imperfect people and then God's like okay get along <laughs> right and so it, it, it takes effort it takes I would say you have to work at it it shouldn't be work but you have to work at it you have to still be kind and nice and loving um, but I love being married and again did a was uh, just a great day for 29 years. And then, um, anyway, let's get into it. So before I start crying. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, again, if you're here for the first time, thanks so much for being here. I won't keep you here too long. We usually go three, four hours. Unless, unless you amen. If you amen well, then we, we come out short. I'm not like normal preachers. I, I tell people, the, the more you amen, the shorter I preach. 
because I'm more of a teacher. Thank you. Because if you're not amen and what you're saying is I don't get it, all right? And so if you say amen, you're like, I understand, let's move on. And so I've been teaching that for the 24 years we've been here at the church, and some people still haven't caught on yet to the amen factor. Um, some pastors, the more you amen, the longer they preach. That is not me, okay? That is just not me. So uh, I have five pages of notes, but it won't last that long. We actually ended a little early first service, um, so hopefully... Um, but I can live Ecclesiastes. It says, the more the words, the less the meaning. And what benefit is that to anybody? I love that. I love that because that's, I think, toward preachers. So, all right. Kings in a cave. That is the title of today's message. We're in Joshua chapter 10, 16 through 28. Um, if you're online, thanks for joining us today. Uh, I want to recap a little bit of last week if you were not here. Uh, it was in chapter 10. Of the book of Joshua, and it was titled Delivery in the Darkness. And the whole point of that message was there was an army traveling overnight to rescue this city called Gibeon. Um, Gibeon was, was a, at one point a wicked city. God said to go into this land, and the Israelites were going in and just wiping everybody out because of the evil and the wickedness that was there. But Gibeon, they were like, you know what, we don't want to get wiped out, so we're going to make this secret covenant with, with the Israelites so they won't kill us. And so they sent this little delegation of a peace delegation, and the Israelites and Joshua said, okay, we won't kill you, but you got to serve us. And Gibeon's like, that's cool. Well, Gibeon gets attacked by five kings, five cities. Um, that They don't like the fact that Gibeon has turned to the light, that they have joined the enemy. And now Gibeon, or Gibeon's, they're being threatened with death by the five kings who used to be their ally. And I will tell you, as I said last week, that when, when you live for the party, people accept you. But as soon as you give your life to Jesus, they don't like you anymore. Right? That as soon as you come into the light, they don't like that because the darkness is always threatened by the light. And that is why the world today does not like you. The world doesn't like a vocal Christian. The world doesn't like a Christian who says, hey, abortion's wrong. They don't like a, a Christian who says, you know what? You know, immoral sexual behavior is wrong. They don't like that. Why? Because the darkness never likes the light. You ever shine a light on a raccoon? Okay. I grew up with coons and stuff. Uh, they don't like the light. Okay? Cockroaches don't like the light. Well, evil does not like the light. And so the darkness came to attack Gibeon, the darkness being the five kings. Uh, but, but Joshua rallied the troops, and in the nighttime, there was delivery in the darkness. So uh, all the evil cities would be fighting a losing battle, and that is today. As a Christian, you have to have hope that we win in the end. We win. Like if you are saved and you know Jesus, we are okay. Everything that the world is preaching, all this fear, all this, this crazy stuff, uh, we don't have to live in the fear. We have to live in the faith because fear is pushed all the time. Fear is natural. Faith is not. So you can feed something that's natural way easier than you can faith. I'm going to be the Christian that says God's got this whole thing. Okay? But I will tell you this. It does not end well for the wicked. It does. It never does. So I'm going to talk to you about five kings, and so you remember it, I put five guys. And when I say five guys, what do you think of? Five guys, burgers, and fries, right? So the next time you go buy a five guys hamburger joint, you're going to remember what I preached today, because I'm all about the thing. Uh, for me, I preached a message one time on obedience, and, and so when I go buy big O tires, Okay, I think about, okay, I got to obey God. But today we're going to talk about these five kings, and I need to tell you what their names mean in the cities that they king. Uh, that they king over, if that's the thing, uh, what the cities mean. So these are the five kings that last week came and attacked Gibeon, and they're evil. Okay, Adonai Zedek, his name means Lord of Righteousness. Now, because of last week's study, he was not a righteous person. He was a self-righteous person. 
He was a person that felt that he was all that, that he was better than everybody else, um, that he knew what was up and nobody else did. So he was a self-righteous person. Uh, Self-righteousness is not attractive. We've all been around it. We've all been around the know-it-all, the person that thinks they're better than anybody else. We don't like that, and that's not attractive. Wednesday night in our Bible study in Genesis, we talked about being an attractive Christian. Like, you should live in a way that people say, you know what, I kind of want what they have. But if we're a Christian and we're a jerk all the time, why would they want that? Why would they want that? So he, self-righteous guy. Okay, Jerusalem, the city that he was king over, was called the city of peace. Still is. Hoham. Okay, unless your kid's a wrestler or a football player. Uh, his name means to crush. <laughs> name means to crush. No, it, the connotation is there's no grace offered to other people. That Hoham lived to crush others. To crush others. And his city was named Hebron, which means fellowship. Okay? Now, fellowship can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing. In this case, it was bad. It was embracing evil behavior. The Bible says, what does fellowship, does light have with darkness? Okay? So, so he was a fellowship of evil behavior. Pyram. Okay? Don't name your little boy Pyram. It means to run wild like a wild donkey and can't be broke. <laughs> All right, it can't be broke. There are some animals that no matter what you do, they will not learn. They refuse to learn. There are children that just can't be broke. No matter what punishment you do, they are going to fight you. And that was what his name meant. To run wild. That the city he was king over was Jarmuth, which means haughty or self-exalted. Now, Japhia. His name was to shine, to show oneself, but in a prideful way. I think of, you know, in musicians world, probably Elton John, very showy, very flowery, very, you know, passionate. Uh, and so that's what he was like, as he was just going to show himself. And the city that he was king over was Lachish, which was to be impregnable, locked up tight. You know, some people, you just can't get through to them. No matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter what truth you present to them, they will not believe what you say. They just won't. They, they just have this mindset that I'm right and there could be nobody else in the world that is right. That, that's what the city means that he was king over. Debir means to be an oracle or a proclaimer. He was basically a self-promoter. He was one that thought a lot of himself and promoted that. If he had a Facebook account, it would all be selfies. <laughs> he was king over Eglon, which means like a bad Chinese saying, fat calf jumping in circles. <laughs> What does that mean? It, it, the connotation, he's always talking. Always talking, always saying stuff. The idea of not being teachable. Okay, So you got five kings, five guys, burgers and fries. I want you to remember that. Five kings. And who would know, because it's interesting to look at what their names mean, but who would know in today's world, we fight the same five kings that want to rule our heart. We fight pride. We fight self-righteousness. We fight, we, we, we fight you know, self-proclamation, I'm better than other people. Those are things that are in us that, that we fight. The idea of not being teachable, don't be that person. But the fact is, is because we're humans, we, we fight those things. And they're all rooted in pride. So we're going to deal with that today. So in last week's battle, um, and if you didn't, weren't here, go back and listen to it or go back and read it. We saw how God listened to Joshua's prayer. They, they, they marched all night long, fought a battle all day. And then Joshua said, Lord, we need more light. Can you make the sun stand still? And God made the sun stand still for another full day so they can continue fighting. And God will always bring light to your darkness when you ask him. He always will, okay? So there's a picture here that when we're serious about defeating that thing, and listen to me. 
When we are serious about defeating the thing that seems to keep defeating us and ask God to help us, he will move on our behalf. He will move on our behalf. And he doesn't usually do it all for us. He helps us through it. The important thing is that you keep on fighting. So I don't know what it is that you're you're fighting today, but I want you to keep fighting, to keep battling. You might get knocked down, but get up and keep going. I posted this a couple weeks back. I said, people will see you get knocked down, but what they need to see you is you getting back up. That's what they need to see. Uh, the story of a, a family that moved to a rundown neighborhood in a, in a city. And they moved in and they had a bulldog. And this little bulldog, he, he wanted to go check out the territory. So he just goes, you know, walking down the sidewalk. And he comes up to this little chain link fence and two Rottweilers come out at him. And uh, the bulldog notices there's, a little, there's enough room for him to get under the fence. And so he just crawls under it and just fights these, these Rottweilers, gets a snot beat out of them. And finally, he has had enough and it crawls back onto the sidewalk and he's limping and bleeding all the way home. And, and he lays there all night. He gets up the next morning and he just gets, does it again. He walks down the sidewalk, crawls under the fence, and Rottweilers meet him. They just go at it, hair and blood flying everywhere. Finally, he, like I'm having a, crawls back under, goes home, licks his wounds. Five days in a row, this little bulldog does the same thing. He crawls under the fence, and the sixth day, he crawls under the fence, and he stands there, and the Rottweilers just stay on the porch. <laughs> They're like, we could kill this thing, but it is tenacious, and why bother? And the bulldog now has his territory marked. Not because he was bigger or tougher, but because he was tenacious. And I want that to be a picture of you in your life, of whatever it is that you're facing. I want you just to keep fighting, just to keep fighting. Because eventually the enemy will go, you know what? I give up. (laughs) We're trying to kill this thing, but it will just continue to come back. And in our lives, I want to be like that bulldog. I want to be tenacious. I want to keep fighting those battles that seem to continue to defeat me. Because many battles take years to win. They take years to win. You just got to keep going at it. God gave them the land of Canaan, but it would take about seven years to wipe out the enemy within the land of Canaan. Okay, the Israelites come out of Egypt. If you're not familiar with them, they come out of Egypt, wander for 40 years in the desert. And, and finally, God says, okay, you can have the land that I promised you 40 years ago. And, but just because God gave it to them didn't mean it was a cakewalk. They would have to go in and conquer cities, one city at a time. Last week it was five cities because they all came together. But the battle would take seven years to wipe out the enemy from this land. The rest of the book of Joshua gives a lot of information about the battles fought. Um, And you can read it in less than an hour. And wouldn't it be great if we could conquer an entire land in less than an hour? We could conquer those things that have been conquering us just in a matter of an hour, a matter of minutes. And we read it and we're like, man, that's great. But it took them seven years, minute by minute, to fight their way into the promised land. But God was with them every step of the way. Keep on fighting. Because this can be discouraging if you have the wrong mindset. Well, I'm not getting over it yet. Well, keep fighting. So this leads us in today's message of not giving up when you're battle-weary. And some of you today may be battle-weary. If I asked you, just raise your hand if you're battle-weary, you'd be like, I would raise my hand, but I'm so weary I can't. Some of you have been fighting battles that just emotionally you're exhausted. And so you're the one I want to talk to today about just continuing to go forward, get rest when you need it, but God is battling with you. Chapter 10, verse 1 through 15 gave us an overview of the battle. It kind of said, here's the, here's the Reader's Digest version. Uh, and then verse 16 through 28 went backwards and gave us some details about the battle. Well, today... And we're going to talk in, in uh, Joshua 10, 16 through 19, uh, the first part of our message, about these five kings, about the five guys that did something kind of crazy, and that is they ran when the battle got tough. 
They ran, and we'll, we'll read, let's read it. So now the five kings had fled and hidden in the cave of Makeda. And when Joshua was told that the five kings, so here they were chasing the armies, and they're like, man, the five kings just ran into a cave. Uh, when, when this was told to Joshua, he said this. He said, roll large rocks up to the mouth of the cave and post them in there and guard it, but don't stop. Pursue your enemies, attack them from the rear, and don't let them reach the cities. For the Lord your God has given them into your hand. Let's talk about that just for a moment. The kings who started this whole thing have fled. It was Adonai Zedek's idea in the first place. Hey, let's go kill Gibeon because they, they're, they're traitors. They went to the other side. They went to the side of the Israel. Let's go kill them. And these other four kings were like, yeah, let's go do it. My lesson here is be careful who you're following. If you were following the crowd, you better know where the crowd's going to end up. If you're following a majority of society and saying, hey, do this, get this, do this. Okay, you have to know where it ends. Don't just blindly follow. As a Christian in a dark world, in a world that is not pursuing God, you need to know where it ends. You don't have to say yes to everything. You need to learn to stand up for what you believe and say no to certain things that are getting pushed on you. Certain ideas, certain beliefs, certain things that are just getting pushed on a Christian. You have to be able to say, you know what, well, time out. I'm not comfortable with this. I'm going to stand my ground. But, but Adonai Zedek got rallied the troops and little did he know that he had defeat waiting for him. He thought he was going to win, but he was fighting a God that he could not see. So remember the names of the kings, boastful when there was no battle in them. Okay, they were boastful, but as soon as the fighting started, what did they do? They went and hid in a cave. If you've seen the movie Gladiator, one of my favorite movies, I've always thought about throwing something at you and going, oh, you're not entertained. Um, if you've never seen the movie, you won't get that. But all right, And, and in this movie, Commodus... Okay, Marcus Aurelius' son who pretends to be a warrior, like he, he, he fakes practices and then he looks really good, uh, but he shows up in the beginning of the movie and he comes in like, have I missed it? Have I missed the battle? And his dad says, you've missed the war. <laughs> and there was a reason he missed the wars is he didn't like to fight because he was a wimp. Like he wanted to appear to be the warrior, but he showed up late to the battle. And the five guys here were kind of like that. They were really good at getting other people to fight for them. But as soon as things got crazy, they went and hid in a cave. You got to be careful what leadership you are following. Okay, it's an example of bad leadership. They like the power of the position and the title, but they want someone else to fight their battles for them. Let me ask you a question. Did you ever see Osama bin Laden strap on a suicide vest? No, he talked to other people into doing it. He talked about jihad, but what did Osama bin Laden end up doing? Hiding in caves. Nothing's changed in this region, right? They're still hiding in caves. Saddam Hussein, what do you do? He got other people to do his dirty work, and then they found him in a spider hole. Okay? He wasn't willing to give up his own life for what he believed in, but he was sure willing to sacrifice the lives of other people. Sounds like politics of today, huh? <laughs> right? We need to sacrifice the country, we get what we want, right? That's why we need good Christian people in politics, right? The problem we're having today is what people are like, well, politics and God shouldn't mix. That's why we're in a mess. Okay, this country was founded on godly principles, so it absolutely should mesh together. Okay? It, it, it's got to guide it. The, the word of God is what guided this country for so many years. So Joshua does something here. I love this. He, he makes this really good leadership decision. And he's telling the guys, okay, the kings are in the cave. All right, put rocks over the thing. Guard it so they can't get out. But you keep going. You keep fighting. You keep pursuing the enemy. And I love that. Put, okay, block him in there. Cool, we'll deal with them later. But he says, but don't stop. 
pursue your enemies. Why? Because it could have been really easy to say, you know what? We got the kings. We got this. Right? You take off the leadership. Everything is one. No, because leadership is always a vacuum. There's always a number two guy that wants to be number one. Okay, whatever, whoever king was, he had a lieutenant. Looks like, I want to be king someday. That, that leadership vacuum will always be filled up. And so Joshua says here, put them in there, stay focused. We've got to stay on task here. Go wipe out the enemy, then we'll come back and deal with what's in the cave. Stay focused on the fight in front of us. And we can get, as Christians, especially today, distracted so easily from what God has called us to do. Guys, we are called to, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is our number one thing as a church family. That we are to be Jesus to our community. Number two is we're to grow as Christians. We're to be better, not just take it easy. We're to actually actively grow in our walk with God. But we've got to stay focused. And there's a lot of churches that get so focused on the politics that they forget about the gospel. And we will not do that. We will talk about political things. But, but our focus is on the word of God and living the word of God. And we've got to stand strong because, again, we're, we're in a mess of this country because we've gotten away from the word of God. We start going with people's feelings rather than the facts. All right? So be careful when we do that. He wasn't distracted from the task at hand, and I love that because he could have been sidetracked. Hey, we got the kings to stop. He's like, no, we got to get the enemy, then we'll come back and deal with them. So here's what he said. Lock those cowards in the cave, and we'll deal with them later. All right? How good are you at prioritizing your life? How good are you at staying focused on the task at hand of just saying, you know what, this is my priorities because I write down my, like, this is what I need to do today, and that's my list. So it helps me stay focused on what I need to get done. Verse 20 through 21. So Joshua and the Israelites destroyed them completely. They're pursuing the enemy. Kings are locked in the cave. Almost to a man, they killed them. But the few who were left reached their fortified cities. The whole army then returned safely to Joshua in the camp of Makeda. And no one uttered a word against the Israelites. All of a sudden, there's no more trash talk. Like all these, all these evil kings, like, oh, we're going to kill them. We're going to do this. All of a sudden, nobody's saying a thing. Because they just got defeated by this army. It says no one, and I find it interesting that they actually put that in the Bible. No one uttered a word against the Israelites because they realized they have a God that fights for them. So Joshua is about to deal with it, all right? But to win battles in life, you have to learn to stay focused and not be endangered by the distractions. This is why I warn you a lot, and I tell you a lot, don't spend a lot of time on social media or watching news, all right? Because it, it just will sour your attitude. I can usually tell somebody who's spent a lot of time just watching news because they have a kind of a sour attitude on life. And I will tell you, social media and the news does not feed your faith. It feeds your fears. Okay, it's feeding what they want you to hear, not what you need to hear. So what you expose yourself to is what you will reflect. You can always tell when someone goes on vacation to a tropical island and they're white. Right? Because they come back red. It's like, well, you've been somewhere, right? You reflect what you expose yourself to. If you spend time in a nuclear submarine, you might glow a little more than the rest of us, okay? Because what you expose yourself to is what you will reflect. Question I forgot to ask for service. When has worry helped you? When has worry really helped you? Worry is not a solution. Worry is not a solution, Okay? So my encouragement to you is to spend time on the word of God. It will develop a better outlook on your life. And the Bible says that the world will get crazier toward the coming of Jesus. This is why I'm not afraid with diseases that are rampant in our world. Because the word of God in Matthew 24, Jesus himself said this. In the last days, there will be earthquakes. Okay, there will be signs and times. There will be earthquakes. There will be famines. There will be diseases which some versions say pestilences, which is a disease which can be a pest. Okay? There will be tsunamis. 
There'll be a lot of things happening. And I, I was thinking, Becky, that I hadn't talked. Remember when I talked about earthquakes twice, like in the last year, there was like two of them that happened afterwards. And I haven't felt like talking them for a while. So I just mentioned it today. So I'm not saying I'm a prophet. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But if it does, I will say, I told you so. I will say that, right? So who knows what may happen this week. If you see one, text me, let me know. All right. Because I probably won't be paying attention to the world. Unless it happens here. But I'm not scared of what's happening in our world, guys, because the Bible says, Jesus himself said, diseases will increase. And, and no amount, let me, just, let me say it, no amount of vaccines is going to stop the word of God. Okay? Can it stop things? Absolutely. And if you want it, get it. That's, that's my, my thing. If you don't want it, you shouldn't be forced to it. That's, that's where I stand personally. Like, if you want it and you're okay with it, go ahead. But if not, you shouldn't be forced to do it. Okay? That's just, because my, my fear is where that, actually, fear, my concern is where it leads because once the government can start forcing you to do something, what if, what if it goes down the road to say, you know what, we're going to do sonograms, and if your child is going to cost the country because it's not healthy, we can terminate the health. So that, I, look, I look forward to thinking, go, what leads to what? When they get to determine what baby gets to live and which one gets to die based on its health in the womb. So to me, it's more than just what we see now. There's something else going on that I, I have sensed for about a year and a half spiritually in our country. Like, it's just, it's just, I have this uneasiness about what's taking place. So again, whether you're good with it or not, that's fine. Do, do what your conscience tells you to do. But I don't think we should be pushing things on people. That's, that's just where I personally stand on that. And I don't think it's a political statement. I just think it's, you know, common sense to go, a, a government can get too involved in people. Pretty soon, okay, and here's what I believe. I seen, okay, well, Stan said something that could be taken as hate. Well, he can't preach anymore. Because he's spewing hate. It's the word of God, right? I, don't, I do it with a smile on my face. Like I said, I'll give you a hug. I'll kick you in the shin. Tell you to knock it off. Okay? It's because I love you. Joshua here is getting rid of evil. Joshua here was not being political. He was getting rid of the evil that was in this country. Because God says, if you don't get rid of the evil, it's going to affect your family later on down the road. So we look at this as a violent thing. Man, they were just killing everybody. Why? Because it was like a cancer. And we're like, but why would God do that? Well, because he's God and he can do what he wants. Okay? He, can do, he, he knows who's not going to repent. He knows who is just going to spread evil. And so that's what Joshua was doing. So you read through this and you're like, man, God's violent toward evil behavior. But he's also very graceful toward a people like Gibeon who's like, you know what? We want to follow the God of the Bible. We want to follow the God of Joshua because we see something here that he's more powerful than the gods that we're thinking. So there is always a chance for a wicked person to turn and come to Jesus Christ. Okay? And we have to get it that way. God is merciful to those who are willing to submit themselves to a godly way. Uh, so, I think I got off my notes there, but you needed to hear it. Amen? Yeah. All right. The Bible says the world will get crazier toward the coming of Jesus. I just, I'm going to believe it. And no amount of driving a Prius or a fully electric car is going to stop what's going to happen at the end. You will just get better gas mileage than the rest of us. Right? But, but we, we can do all this stuff. And again, I'm not, I'm about protect the environment. Don't dump oil in your stuff. Man, I believe that. But when I look ahead and say the Bible is like, God's going to destroy the earth. He's going to burn it. No amount of doing what we can is going to prevent God. It's not like God goes, man, I know I wrote it. And shoot, they started driving electric cars. Now we can't destroy the earth because they're another taking care of it. That's not what's going to happen. It, the Bible, it says the earth is reserved for fire. Why? Because of wickedness. It's a wickedness. And then we get to start over and we get to live in a tropical place again. Amen. But I will tell you this. No amount of worry can stop God's plan for the earth. 
You're going to worry about it, but it's not going to stop God's plan. He is coming back, church. And he's coming back for those who are waiting for him. And I am ready to go rapture. I'm rapture ready. I'm rapture ready. Amen. Rapture ready. Can't wait. Okay, but I have a joke here. Be careful you're not sitting under a beam because I have no idea what that's going to look like if the rapture takes place. Yeah, I'm good. I go through insulation. But some of y'all, you're right under a beam. I don't know how it's going to work. Another reason we built steel buildings is people say, like, well, if I came to church, then, you know, the, the, the roof would collapse. No, it's made out of steel. We're good. Like, you don't have that kind of sin in your life. How about this? You either live a life of worry or a life of worship. Okay, it's a choice, right? Now, all of us are going to worry a little bit. We're going to see where God talks to Joshua, being strong and courageous. Okay, but worry is acting like God doesn't have things in control. I don't want to live that way. I want to live in faith, going, God, God has this whole thing in control. Absolutely. And as a church, we don't worry about the things that are going on in the world. Okay, we have to deal with it and we should do our part because I believe we should have born again Christians in politics. Absolutely, because it influences a lot of things. But I'm not going to worry about it because God has this whole thing in control. Now, there were times when Joshua's human emotions came out. I guarantee you, how do I know that? Because God would tell him, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Why? Because he saw even Joshua, a man of faith, man of battle, uh, going, is this really the right thing? And God's like, yes, it is. Humanness gets discouraged. Humanness has fear. And God has a lot of grace for that. And God tells them several times, don't be discouraged, don't be afraid. And I think that's a word for today. God has grace for our humanness. And I, I wish that we could be as graceful toward other humans as God is toward us. And we need to work on that to be just graceful toward people. So the Israelite army pursues the enemy, destroys most of them. And now it's time to come back and deal with the five guys, burgers and fries, which they don't have in their cave. But they're trapped in the cave. Yesterday when I was painting, I call it my wife's house. Yeah, it's our house. I was painting it for our anniversary, and it's a, it's a very, very meticulous house, and I knew it would be because I painted professionally for a lot of years, and I, I put it off. I'm like, I just don't want to do this because I might die. It's tall. It's 10, 12 pitch roofs, and I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, I literally sacrificed my life almost for my wife. The Bible says that, right? Did, you didn't see the pictures going to be up on the ladder on the four-wheeler? Did you see that? Good. Now you know how crazy I am and what she has to live with. But I'm going to get it done. And the house it looks amazing, but it's been a very, very difficult thing. Well, yesterday I was working on a window. I had a scissor lift on this one. And so I was putting the window and I saw a bee where the weep hole is. There's a little hole at the bottom where water comes out. And I said this wasp stick his head out. And I haven't got stung yet. There's a lot of, a lot of bees and I've been spraying them and... Sometimes I shoot them with my airless, actually. I'm like, take that, because when you hit them with paint, they go, um, I may or may not have hit my roof a few times doing that with paint. But anyhow, so these, this little beast sticks his head out, and I had my razor knife, and I'm trying to chop his head off. I'm trying to be like Joshua. I'm going to live the Bible. And so I finally, I was like, you know what? I don't have my beast spray here, so I just put a piece of tape over the hole. So I trapped them in. So I'm thinking, well, I'm preaching on five guys in the cave, so I'm going to trap these bees in the cave. And everything's cool until I took the masking off and I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking, they're going to get stuck to the tape. Everything's going to be cool. So I pulled the tape off and they're like, you locked us in here. And they came after me and I got stung once on the ankle. So, babe, I took one for the team. Um, I would do anything for love. And I'll even do that. Uh, so anyway, it, it didn't get me very bad because it got me through the sock. But I wanted it to sound painful. But it barely, it just barely got me. And so anyhow, but I locked him up. And when those bees came out, I should have remembered to have the bee spray. 
But once you let them out, then you got to deal with it. The important thing is it has to come out in order for you to deal with it. And that's about what's to happen. And Joshua's now focused on the kings. Like they wiped out the army. Now he's like, okay, let's go after those who instigated these men and women or men to come up and fight against Gibeon. So I love this. So here's what he does. All right. He says, okay, get those guys out of the cave. So they get them out of the cave, open them out of the cave and bring out the five kings to me. Verse 22 so they brought out the five kings of the cave, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, and Lachish, and Eglon. And when they brought these kings to Joshua, he summoned all his men of Israel, and he said to the army commanders who had come with him, Come here, put your feet on the necks of these kings. So the, the, the kings probably were on their stomachs, and these commanders put their feet on the back of their neck. And they came forward, and they placed their feet on the necks. And Joshua was going to teach a principle here. He said to them, Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. See, he's passing on the word that God gave him. Be strong and courageous. And Joshua will say this many times throughout this book. This is what the Lord will do to the enemies you are going to fight. Then Joshua struck and he killed the kings and he hung them on five trees. And they were left there hanging until evening. At sunset, Joshua gave the order. They took them down from the trees and they threw them into the cave where they had been hiding. At the mouth of the cave, they placed large rocks, which are there to this day. I know another man who was hung on a tree and they threw him in a cave, but it couldn't hold him. Couldn't hold him. Amen. Couldn't hold him. That king came out of that. Why? Because he was sinless. He was sinless. And I love the parallel here. Long before Jesus came, the Bible says you're cursed to be hung on a tree. And that's what Jesus did. He took our curse but the rocks could not keep him inside. That day, Joshua took Makeda and he put the city and its king to the sword and totally destroyed everyone in it. He left no survivors. And he did to the king of Makeda as he had done to the king of Jericho. Let me ask you a question here as we wrap this up. There's a picture here. Are, are there any evil kings hiding in your heart that need to be brought out and dealt with? Are there any little things that are controlling you? You might be saved. You're trying your best to serve God and you're a Christian. You're, you're going to heaven. But there might be little kings. Maybe pride, maybe jealousy, maybe anger, maybe unforgiveness, maybe self-righteousness. Maybe some things that are hiding in that cave and God wants them to be brought out so that we can deal with them. It could be addictions, uncontrolled anger, bitterness, jealousy. A lot of little kings want to hold a place in our heart. You see, the devil wants you isolated. That's what he wants. The devil doesn't want to expose your sin yet. He wants to keep you captive. Eventually, he will expose it to humiliate you. That's what he does. What I believe is the devil doesn't get glory in himself of getting you to sin. I think he gets his glory from holding it against you the rest of your life, reminding you of it. Whereas the Bible says that when Jesus forgives you, your sin is as far as the east from the west. It is thrown in the sea of forgetfulness. That when you bring your sin back up to God, he's like, what are you talking about? Like I, I deliberately remember forgetting that. Okay? I deliberately remember forgetting that. God doesn't hold it against you. The devil does. But if we're ever to live in freedom, we have to expose the areas in our lives that hold us captive. In other words, the kings in the cave. You see, there is freedom found in exposure to sin if you repent of it. Here's a trick question. What sin does God not forgive? Answer. Unrepentant sin. Okay? Unrepentant sin. Yeah, blasphemy. It's the same thing. It's like God won't forgive me, so I don't repent. But God will re forgive every sin you repent of. A blasphemous person refuses to repent. It's not forgiven. But God will forgive everything, every sin you've ever committed. He knows your deepest, darkest sins, and he's still willing to call you his son or daughter if you just let him. 
And for those of us who have given our lives to him, we need to live every day in thankfulness that he forgave us of that stuff. Amen? So it's the repentance that sets you free. God wants you to live in freedom. And there's a point, again, where you have to bring those little evil kings out of the cave the next time you go to Burger King. I want you to think about that, okay? Five guys, burgers, fries, there's five things. Well, maybe there's only one Burger King in your life. Maybe hamburgers are your king and you need to not eat as many. And there could be a lot of things that you get to deal with, right? I don't know. I think hamburgers are a gift from God. That's what I think. Yeah, come on, right? <laughs> I'm going to go out anyway. I may as well go out happy. Uh, all right. Now, it's obviously better to not let the king stay in the cave to begin with, but that's in a perfect world. The reality is that we have little kings that want to live there. They really do. They want to live in our heart, and we have to be honest and expose them. God exposes us in our sin to forgive us. Satan does it to humiliate us. There's different motives. God exposes it to fix it. The devil does it to destroy so things have to be exposed before they can be dealt with. Anybody have surgeries in here? I've had six surgeries on my body. Four knee surgeries, three, oh, seven. Four knee surgeries, three back surgeries. I know a little bit about scars. That's why my wife married me. She digs my scars. Um, that's not, she actually liked the two horses that I owned. Um, that was the hook. And, uh, and I have scars on my body where a doctor went in to fix something that was wrong. And let me ask you a question. When's the last time that a doctor showed up at your doorstep and said, hey, I understand you have a problem. Let's take care of this right now. If a surgeon ever shows up at your door and wants to operate, don't let him in. Because he's brand new. He just wants to use you as practice, right? We've never had a surgeon knock on your door and say, hey, I've heard you have a problem. Let me come in and fix this. No. What has to happen? When we have an issue, what do we have to normally do? We have to make an appointment, right? We have to make an appointment. Yeah, and these days it's six months, and by then, you know, you've shrunk an inch because of age, and once you hit 50, you'll understand. Um, by the time I'm over, I'll be like four foot ten, right? Hey, guys. I'll be like, I'm 70 now. I remember when he was taller. Uh, I'm the tall hobbit, if you like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Surgeon doesn't come to your house. You got to make an appointment with him. It's no different than us and God. The, the God, he will come, but he will not force you to change. He will not force you to deal with something. He will allow you to go through situations where it maybe it's exposed so he can deal with it. But, but most of the time, we have to make the appointment with God to say, God, I need you to fix me. I need you to, to help me with the little kings that I have that are fighting inside, the, the little fear and the anger, the things. Some of, some of them are addiction, some of them are big. Okay, there's a lot of different sized kings. The king of pride, he dwells very healthily in this body. Give me an amen, because it's true, right? I got a lot of pride. The older I get, the more I realize how much pride I really have. And God wants to deal with those things, but we have to expose them before they can be dealt with. So my question I want to end with today is this. It's a question that we need to deal with if we're going to grow. What's hiding in your heart or your mind today that has held you captive? And let today be the day that you deal with it. Let today be the day, August 1st, 2021, that you said, you know what, Lord, I need you to take the rocks out of the, the cave hole and I'm going to expose this. I'm going to, to be honest Maybe there's something with your spouse that you need to be honest about. Just say, I've been hiding this. I just, let's just talk about it because it's hindering the relationship. We need to be honest when the king of pride comes out. And that's usually pretty obvious. 
<laughs> to say, you know what, my pride got to me. My, my pride, it was my pride talking and, um, and forgive me. You know, to, how do you have a healthy marriage? It's, it's, a, it's two people that are imperfect that learn how to offer grace and how to ask for grace. That, that's how you have a happy relationship with anybody is to be able to say, you know what, it's my fault. I messed this up. Not try to excuse it to say, I'm the one that caused this. I'm the one that, that did what I did. Please forgive me. I love you. That, that's the kind of relationships that, that God wants us to have with each other. But we have to be honest with ourselves before we can be honest with God. To say, God, I, have, I just need you to help with this, this king thing. So uh, that's all I have for that. Now page 15. No, I'm just kidding. No. I hope you learned something today. But before you leave, I have a question for you. The question is this. And if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this question is not for you. Um, it was a question you answered at one point in your life where you said, I need Jesus. Okay, guys, heaven and hell are real places. There's only two options. There's only two options. When you die, it's heaven or it's hell. And, and heaven is not the default. That's our world likes to say, well, everybody gets to go to heaven. That's no. Heaven is a choice. You have to choose Jesus to get to heaven. Hell is the default. Because the Bible says that the soul that sins will surely die. That all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if we don't ask Jesus to forgive us, we spend eternity in hell for our own sins. That's the punishment. But don't you love John 3.16? Okay, because we were in trouble, God loved us so much that he gave his son. That if we believed in him, we won't perish but have everlasting life. Meaning that all we have to do is say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe that, that I need my sins forgiven by you. Be my Savior, be my Lord, because I want to spend eternity in heaven. And the moment you pray that prayer and you mean it, you become a Christian. You become heaven-bound. That's your ticket. Jesus is the only ticket. He is. And many of us in this place have made that decision. But if you haven't made that decision before, today you need to make that decision. You need to make the decision. Either I'm going to serve God or I'm not going to serve God. There is no in-between. There is no fence. Okay? I see it's a, it's a big electric fence. You can't sit on the fence. You can't. You're either serving God or you're not. But if you've given your life to Jesus, heaven's taken care of. Keep working on life. But if you've not given your life to him, and that's something that you want to do, here's how I like to do that. I'm just going to ask everybody to bow your heads, okay, because I'm not here to, to point you out or embarrass you in any way. It's a private moment between you and the Lord. But if you need to accept Jesus as your Savior, if you want to make heaven your home, you have to accept him. You have to repent of your sins and ask him into your life. And if that's you, God's working on your heart right now. God's working on it. And you know, because your heart's beating a little bit faster, that you would give your life to him. And all I want to ask you to do is if you just lift your hand up, say, Stan, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. Is there anybody in this place that needs to make that decision? I'm not going to take a long time. I'm not here to pressure you. I'm just here to offer it. Anybody need to make that decision at all? Just lift your hand up where I can see it. Okay. All right. I hope that means we're all going. Okay, I do. Actually, I see a hand back there. Okay, here's what we do as a church family. Okay, we just pray the prayer together with the person that raised their hand just to, to be with them. So let's just pray this. Repeat after me if you would. Dear Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Heaven just became your home. Amen. That's what it's about. Amen. All right. Well, hey, you got some kings in a cave? Boy, just deal with them.
We all have little kings, right? Some people have some big kings, but um, some of y'all have some supersized kings. <laughs> Different restaurant, but it fit, all right? Um, but just deal with them, all right? And keep fighting. Be like the bulldog. Be like the bulldog. Just be tenacious, all right? Keep, just keep fighting. That's what God is proud of most, is not that you're getting defeated all the time, but that you're continuing to fight. Because the Bible says in, in Proverbs, a righteous man falls seven times and seven times gets back up and keep going, amen? So just keep fighting, unless you're married. Then quit, quit fighting. That's, come to my life group. We'll tell you how not to do that very often. All right. Love you all. Tell my wife, thank you for putting up with this guy for all these years. And, uh, you know, she's an amazing woman. So have a wonderful day. If you're brand new and you want a cup, Mary's back there. Sign up for community.